just taking stock, looking at all these beautiful faces out there. So good to see everyone today. Jim's patiently waiting in the wings. Once we're settled, we'll get started. So if you've been coming here for any length of time, you know we start each week with an introduction and review from the last weeks, sometimes for the past several weeks. We've been studying and working off of this passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, for a couple weeks, several weeks. And it will, be our tax, it will be our text again today. So if you'll stand with me, now that you're all seated and comfortable, would you stand with me? Jim, come, adjust the mic, speak right into the mic. And Jim's going to read this passage for us. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Bringing yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit. Just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. You may be seated. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4. We've already covered Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. In those three chapters, Paul was writing to, and he was praying for, the believers at, in the city of Ephesus, that they would know their position in Christ, who they are in Christ, all that we are, all that they are in Christ, that they would know the tremendous power, and they would know the tremendous authority that was accessible and available to them in Christ. The church needs to know that. The church then needed to know it. Paul wrote it to the Ephesians. The church today needs to know it. We have Paul's letter to the Ephesians and the Colossians and the Thessalonians and on and on where he teaches the church who we are in Christ and how to live out of who we are in Christ. It's been lost to the church. Much of it's been lost to the church the church has sort of been dumbed down over decades, maybe over centuries. And we lost an understanding of who we are in Christ and what God can accomplish through us because of who we are in Christ. And you see the results of that in the world. A weak church, the results we see in our nation and the world is a result of a weak church. Church not living up to, individual believers not living up to who we are in Christ and God's plans and purposes for us in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, 
through 3. Now, four, chapter 4 through 6, some very practical teaching. Chapter 4, 1 through 6, after informing them of all they are in Christ, he then begins to admonish them. Now, walk worthy of that. Walk worthy of that calling. And he turns his attentions now, verses 2 through 6, to detail how they are to do that, how we are to do that. We mentioned the last two or three weeks, there's a starting place for living worthy of your calling. It's not the starting place we thought it would be, perhaps, but there's a starting place, and it's in the church. It's within the church. It's within relationships within the church. Begin to evidence the high calling in how we relate to one another and how we treat one another. And that will go a long way in attracting the world to Christ through the church. When the world sees that. It has everything to do with our attitudes, our character, our attitudes, our conduct towards one another. How we relate to one another in the church. Verse 1 carries the main point of these six verses, which is... Live lives worthy of your high calling in Christ. There should be no hypocrisy in the church. There should be no pretense in the church. Acting like something on Sunday, living like something else the rest of the week. That should not be. That's a terrible witness to the world of who we are. We've been labeled hypocrites, and unfortunately, we've brought some of that on ourselves. Live lives worthy of your calling. The verses following verse 1 that we've been starting to mention, 2 through 6, now they, are, they carry an explanation of how we're to do that. Ephesians 4, 2, always be humble and be gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Not judgmental, not critical, but that's the next sermon. Because of your love for one another. Two weeks ago, we dealt extensively with the word humble. You can find that on the podcast for that date. Last week, we talked extensively about the importance of the church and how we relate to one another in the church. And that a church, the strength of a church is in its relationships. We absolutely need good worship. We need good preaching, but the strength of a church is in its relationships, how we relate to one another. We've been talking a lot about the importance of living life together, that your individual calling, and you have one. You have an individual calling from God in Christ, but your individual calling finds its fulfillment and its purpose in the context of the church where all our individual callings come together and become one strong calling. That's the principle of where two or three are gathered together. That was last week, but I feel I need to say it again. We need each other. You need the church, and we need you. That's the way God designed it. Both of, those pod, both of those sermons are on podcast at our website, blesscolumbia.org. There's a drop-down box on the left-hand side, and then it says weekly services. Click that. You'll see podcast. You go and you get your date, and you can listen to the podcast. Now this week, today's title, Be Gentle. 
this was a very difficult sermon to put together. Not because it's an ouch or anything like that, but trying to get an understanding of this word, be gentle. It's a very difficult word to define. The Greek word that's translated gentle is a very different word than what we, use, what we think of gentle in English. There really is no English equivalent of that Greek word. Translators struggled, commentators struggled to try and explain this Greek word that we've translated mostly gentle or meek. But the Greek word then doesn't mean what gentle and meek mean to us now. Are you following me? Gentle, meek, gentleness, meekness, they're the two most common English words used to translate this word. But what we often think of as gentle and meek now in the English language does not do this Greek word justice. And as we'll see, it's going to be easier to illustrate the word gentle than it is to define it. But we'll try. Gentle. What it literally means is power, authority, kept under control. Gentle means even though you have the power, which is the ability to do something, and you have the authority, which is the legal right to do something, you choose not to do anything, you use self-control and self-restraint for a higher cause. Following that, you have the power. You could step in and you could do something. You could be harsh. You could be rude. And you have the legal right to do so because it's in your authority to do so. You could deal with this situation, but you choose not to for a higher cause. And that higher cause is because we love one another. We're talking about in the context of relationships in the church. In our context here, in this passage, the higher cause is to protect and to preserve the relationships within the church. Because the strength of a church is in its what? Relationships. So we do everything we can, short of sin, short of compromise, short of condoning. We do everything we can, everything in our power, to protect and preserve and promote the relationships of the church. It can apply to relationships in general, outside of the church, but this context in Paul's writing is within the church, within our relationships. Be gentle. Be gentle with one another. Don't be going around blowing people out of the water just because you have the power to do so or you even have the legal right to do so. You choose not to use your power, not to use your authority, for the sake of promoting and keeping unity in the church, which Paul will talk about in a few verses. Again, saying it over and over. So even though you have the power and even though you have the legal right to act, you voluntarily choose not to for a higher cause. That basically explains this word gentle. It's too much for any one English word to adequately define. We are to be gentle with and toward each other. We are to treat one another and we're to relate 
with one another gently and with gentleness. Always conscious of the relationships within the church. Will this build up and edify the relationships if I exercise my power and control? Or will this tear down and hurt, reduce the relationships if I exercise my power and control? And authority, I'm sorry, authority. It has everything to do with self-control and wisdom. It has everything to do with the ability to control and restrain ourselves. Even when you have the power and authority to do otherwise. It's always keeping our emotions under control. It's always keeping ourselves well-managed towards one another. Not as, it's a lot easier to say than to do. Emotions run high, and we often react out of emotions. But when we're told to be gentle, it's keep that under control. Don't strike back. Don't retaliate. Don't revenge. Even when sometimes you have every right to do so. I was never on the debate team in school because this was not my strength. God's dealing with me in this. I think I have it written in the sermon later, but I just might as well say it now. I guess because this sermon was coming up, I have had several opportunities to practice this recently. Where I had the ability and I had the authority to react strongly to something. And for some reason, I'm calling it grace. I did not. No, it's no kudos to me, believe me. It's God and some others who helped me. But that's what this word gentleness means. It's the ability to not lose it or go off at others when things go wrong or we're irritated even though we could, even though we rightfully could. And some others might even say we should. Is that pressure? Well, you should have. Yeah, well, I felt like it, but. <laughs> Be gentle with one another for the sake of relationships in the church. Don't give Satan an advantage. Don't let him drive a wedge in the relationships. Do everything in your power to not allow that to happen. That's how he destroys churches. Very rarely do churches go under or, or, or split because of doctrinal issues, believe it or not. They split because Satan was able to start stirring up relationships, stirring up strife in relationships, and it began to grow, and people began to take sides. And the next thing you know, the church couldn't get along. Then the church was ineffective. And you know what makes me mad about that? Not at the people in the church, wherever that happens, but at Satan gaining the advantage of, over us. There's one thing I hate. It's when Satan gains an advantage over God's people. It should not be that way. He told us very clearly, don't be ignorant of the enemy's schemes. Don't give the enemy an inch. Don't make provision for the devil. Don't let him get in there. Much easier to stop him from getting in than it is to boot him out once he's in. Did you hear me? Much easier to stop him from getting in than to boot him out once he's in. 
Are you following this? Gentle. It's having the power, which is ability, and it's having the authority, which is the legal right, to respond, but choosing not to use it. Now, one caveat, okay? We're not to be wimps. We're not to be welcome mats where we're walked all over. That's not the issue. And, of course, there are times when God causes us to use the power he gave us, when God causes us to use the authority that's available to us in Christ, especially towards evil. We're to take a stand against evil, the evil one, his schemes. We're not to stand passively by and allow evil to just have its way. That's not what this is all about. Being gentle does not mean that we compromise anything or we condone everything so that there's no strife. That's not it either. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's not saying that we're called to be gentle towards evil. But evil is not the context of our passage. Relationships within the church is the context of our passage. And in that context, we're to be gentle with one another. We're to relate to one another in the church with gentleness. We're called to be gentle toward and with one another and how we treat one another. If it seems like I'm saying the same thing over and over, I am. Let's look at the example of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Let me teach you, Jesus speaking. Let me teach you because I am humble and I am gentle at heart. Be humble and be gentle towards one another. Jesus is. Jesus was. Jesus is. Let me teach you. I am humble. I am gentle. Jesus is the consummate example of gentleness, of being gentle, of power, of ability, of authority under control. Self-restraint. Though Jesus had all power and all authority, he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Jesus had all power, ability, all authority, legal right. He could have used that to reject us. He could have used that to judge us. He could have used that to punish us. He could have used his power and his authority to condemn us, to unleash his righteous anger against us. He could have. He had every right to. He did not. He voluntarily controlled that and restrained that. John 3, 17 God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. He could have. He did not have to go to the cross. You know that, right? God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world. And in order to save the world, the higher cause, he restrained himself. He controlled his power and his authority and did not use it to harm us. Rather than exercise his power and authority against us, he chose rather to restrain himself, to restrain his judgment. He decided or he chose rather to treat us according to what we needed rather than what we deserved. 
And that's how we need to see each other. We feel like, well, you deserve to be treated like this after what you did. But we see through that and we see your need. And we treat each other according to our needs, not according to what we deserve. Because that's how he treats us. A good way to say it for Jesus might, have been, might be, he could have, but he didn't. That's gentleness. That's power and authority under control. He could have. He had every legal right to, but he did not. He was gentle with us. Because of his great love for us, he was gentle towards us. So sort of a brief or a minor, a minor application in the middle of the sermon rather than at the end is this next slide, Philippians 2.5. We just said Jesus could have, but he did not. He was gentle towards us. Because of his love for us, he was gentle towards us. You must have the same mindset that Christ Jesus had. We must have the same mindset that Christ Jesus had. Because of our great love for one another, we are to be gentle towards one another. We'll look at some examples as we move towards a close. We'll look at some examples from the life of Jesus. As we said earlier, it seems to be easier to illustrate this concept of gentle than it is to define it. So hopefully we'll get a good feel for what this biblical concept of gentle, the Greek word translated gentle, actually means as we see it operate in the life of Jesus. Power and authority under control. The people in the synagogue were furious Jesus had said something. The people in the synagogue were furious and jumping up. They mobbed him. Now think about this. Take the ink off the page. The people jumped up. Now they were mobbing Jesus. You know, it seems so sterile when we read it, but really think about it. What if all of a sudden we all jumped up and started mobbing you, pushing you around, maybe punching you, maybe kicking you? That's what was happening to Jesus in the synagogue. In a setting like this, they mobbed him, and they forced him to the edge of the hill. They forced him out of the synagogue and up to a cliff. They intended to push him off the cliff, but he just passed right through the crowd and went on his way. The angry mob was intent on killing Jesus for no good reason. He spoke truth. Jesus very calmly kept his composure and walked away. Now, there was some divine intervention because they were not allowed to harm him, but Jesus himself kept himself composed and just walked away from the situation. An illustration of gentle, gentleness for their sakes because, believe it or not, some of them were going to get saved and come to know Jesus later on. Don't carry your phone in your pocket. It has a tendency to come on whenever it wants to. So though he had every right and, and all the ability in the world to retaliate against this crowd and just boom, he did not respond with force. He did not retaliate with power. He could have wiped them out with a word, you know. He had the right to, but he didn't. Tremendous power under control. He could have... But he didn't. 
That's our word, that's our word gentle. John 18, 4 through 8. Jesus realized what was going to happen. This is when they came to get him in the garden. They were going to crucify him. Well, they did crucify him. This is leading up to that. Jesus realized what was going to happen. Who are you looking for, he asked. Jesus the Nazarene, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. As Jesus said, I am he, they all fell to the ground. The great I am. The great I am had spoken. You see, the power that was released just because he is the great I am. That's how much power he carried. That's how much authority he carried. I am he, Jesus said. And when he said that, they all fell to the ground. I told you that I am he, Jesus said. And since I am the one you want, let these others go. His disciples, his followers. He said, I am he, and they all went tumbling backward at the great power and authority just in his name. I am the great I am. Then he simply said, I am the one you want. Let them go, and he went with them. Tremendous power under control. You know, he could have completely destroyed them with a word, right? But he didn't. Because some of them were going to come to know him and be saved and end up in eternity. So he kept himself under control, and he didn't. He could have, but he didn't. That's our word, gentle, gentleness. Matthew 26, 60 through 64. They found many who agreed to give false witness. Jesus is now being interrogated in front of Pilate, and they're bringing up false witnesses. You know what it feels like to be falsely accused, don't you? That hurts. If there's anything that makes you want to retaliate, retaliate and get revenge, it's when you're being falsely accused of something. And your blood begins to boil. You want to fight back, and you want to prove yourself right. So they found many who agreed to give false witness against Jesus. And then the high priest stood up and he said to Jesus, Well, aren't you going to answer any of these charges? What do you have to say for yourselves, for yourself? But Jesus remained silent. Tremendous power and authority under control, under restraint. Can you imagine what it must have taken for Jesus to remain silent? He's the son of God. He's perfect in all his ways. And they're accusing him of all these things that he did not do. He would never do. Not to lash out. Not to strike back when he was being falsely and unjustly accused. Not even to defend himself. He could have wiped them out with a word, you know. But he forsook the temporary satisfaction of retaliation, revenge, a vainglory display of power for a much higher divine purpose, the salvation of the human family. Salvation could not be accomplished unless all this happened and unless he willingly allowed it to happen. So he restrained himself. Because of his love for humanity, us, can you imagine that? You know yourself. I know me. He died for us. What? Because of his love for humanity, he restrained himself. He could have, but he didn't. That's our word gentle. That's our word gentleness. Matthew 26, 67, 69. 
Then they began to spit in Jesus' face. They began to beat him with their fists. This is holiness that they're after, that they're going after. This is all the power and all the authority in the universe. They're spitting in his face, and they're, they're pummeling with their fists. And then some slapped him, and they jeered at him, and they said to him, prophesy to us, Messiah. Who hit you that time? He was blindfolded. And they were challenging, prophesy, tell us who hit you. And he could have. He could easily have. He could have done everything they were challenging him to do. He could have wiped them out with a word, you know. But he didn't. He had every right to, but he restrained himself. He could have, but he didn't. That's our word gentle. Gentleness. One more example of Jesus. The others grabbed Jesus and they arrested him. One of the men with Jesus pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Jesus said, good for you. We got to fight back. Jesus said, man, put away your sword. Don't you realize I could ask my father for thousands of angels to come and protect us? And he would send them instantly. See, he could have. He could have asked his father for angel armies to come to his aid and wipe out this mob, mob wipe out these arrogant Roman soldiers and these Jewish self-righteous people and, and Pharisees and Sadducees. He could have asked his father, and he had every right to do it. Take them out. I'm done with these folks. But for their sakes, and ultimately for our sakes, he did not. He knew he had to go to the cross for the salvation of the humankind, or the human race would never be saved. He kept himself under control, under restraint, for a higher cause, love for humanity. If this did not happen, there'd be no cross. If there was no cross, there'd be no salvation. He had to keep his power. He had to keep his ability, his authority in check. He had to resist the urge of the flesh to lash out. Even though he could have, and he'd have been right in doing so, God would not have judged him. He would have been fine. He would have been justified in doing so. He could have, but he didn't. That's our word gentle. You think you got that? Is that horse dead? Well, I have one more scripture, but it comes from the other side of the coin, and it's almost sort of humorous. See if you see yourself in this scripture. Then we'll close. It's Luke chapter 9, 51 through 54. Jesus set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village, they did not welcome Jesus. So when James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? Yeah. That's what I say. Jesus said, you don't even, it's not on, it's not on here, it wouldn't fit on the screen, but Jesus said, you don't even know what manner of a, what people you are in asking that. You have not yet grown in your understanding 
I am humble and I am gentle. Let me teach you. But here's the good news, okay? Peter with the sword in the last, in the last uh, passage cut off the ear and Jesus like rebuked him for that. It doesn't say it in that version, but you know Jesus healed that guy's ear. Do you remember reading that? These guys came to kill him. Peter withdrew his sword and cut off the guy's ear. And Jesus is like, Peter, what are you doing? And he heals the guy's ear. We don't really understand Jesus, do we? And for most of us, we're not really like him, are we, yet? I'd be like, cut off the other ear. (laughs) Then you have James and John. Yeah, they didn't believe in you, Jesus, so we're going to call down fire. We're going to destroy that whole village. Just like, some of those people are going to come to know me. You can't be walking around lashing out in your power and authority, even though you can, and even though you might have the right to. You can't be doing that. And that's our word, gentle. Be gentle with one another. We want to fire back. We want to get our just due. We want to defend ourselves, retaliate, revenge. That's us. That's us in the flesh. That's not Jesus. But I said, here's here's the good news. Jesus nicknamed James and John sons of thunder because that's the way they were. They always wanted to bash heads. Bash heads first, ask questions later. So he called them the sons of thunder. Well, James was, was killed very early on. He was beheaded with the sword. But John lived to be the longest of all the disciples. And by the end of his life, do you know what his nickname was? He started out as Son of Thunder. You know his nickname at the end? The Apostle of Love. He's the one who wrote the Gospel of John. He's the one who wrote the letters of John, First John, all about dear brothers and sisters, my little children, love one another. That's what Jesus can do to a life that's given to him, from son of thunder to apostle of love. You got all that today? We'll close. Be gentle. Treating one another with gentleness. Why? It will protect the church by protecting our relationships. Do you get that? There's a higher purpose in acting or reacting or responding properly. There's a higher purpose in controlling our anger, controlling our our power and our ability and and at times our authority when we could do something about it but not doing something. And the higher cause is protecting the relationships of the church. When there issues rise in, arise in the church, there are channels for those issues to be, to be cared for, to be taken care of. We'll follow those channels. We won't go after each other. Right? Right? Be gentle. Treating one another with gentleness. It will protect the church by protecting the relationships within the church. Let love be the higher cause. Oh, I know that sounds so good. Love, love, love. But it's true. Let love be the higher cause. Love for one another. 
And even if you can't just love the person because of who they are, because some of us do, honestly, we sort of irritate each other. So even if we can't love each other for who we are, we should be able to love each other for the higher cause. We're working for the same cause together. We want to see the church succeed. So I can overlook some things for the sake of the church succeeding. Well, Paul, one thing Paul's trying, been trying to tell us all through Ephesians is it's all about the church. It's only about you as you fit into the church. That's the way God designed it. You are extremely important, but your importance lies in the context of the church. That's where we're all important. We're important to each other. We must guard that at any cost. Not compromising truth, not condoning sin, but we must guard that at any cost, short of sin. I think I got my point across. What do you say? Any amens? All right. feel like I did. I said the same thing over and over, so saying again is probably not going to gain anything. The application. What are we going to do with what we heard today? Are there any adjustments you might need to make in how you think about and how you relate to others in the church? Maybe some things you need to lay down that you've been holding. Maybe some folks you need to begin to love and encourage because you haven't been. Are there any adjustments that we need to make? Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying to the church today. Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear what you're saying to me today. You stand with me? As always, until the Lord changes it, the format, the band will come. Pauline's going to come to the mic and pray. Right into the mic, Pauline. Wait till everything settles down. Don't pray over the distractions. Father, I just want to thank you for this body of Christ that you have um, gathered together in this church, Father. Yes, um, what each and every one of us mean to each other, as we said, each one of us have a gift apart um, that you have brought us together to, for our calling to work with one another. Thank you for the word that you gave me today and how it spoke to my heart. And Father, I pray that, as Stephen says many times, I, I pray that it touched everybody like it did to me today. Yes, Lord. Um, that we're going to walk out of here different than we were when we walked in. And I thank you for those messages that you give us and how we are supposed to um, treat each other. And mm -hmm. like Hub said today in the message, that walking in these ways and, and being gentle with one another, Father, um, even though we're quiet and, and not puffing our shoulders up or um, using our authority, as, as he said, those are the times that we speak to others. Um, like the word said, that those are the times that bring people that don't even know you, Lord, um, to salvation too. So, Father, I pray that that's um, something that you will teach me to do, Father, and um, allow me to walk in the word that I heard today. I ask for blessings over each and every one of us here today. Father, I thank you for each and every one of you um, here today and just go and be blessed uh, with the word that we just heard today and walk in gentleness and um, love and patience. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.